You are listening to the PFAS Research and Remediation Podcast Series, produced and created by Arcadis, with funding from the Environmental Security Technology Certification Program, ESTCP, grant number ER23-7692, through the United States Department of Defense. All opinions, interpretations, and conclusions expressed belong to the hosts and guests and do not represent views or policies of the Department of Defense, Arcadis, or guest affiliations. In this first season, we're focused on PFAS and interview a broad panel of experts who have each contributed to the growing knowledge base around remediating this emerging chemical of concern. Today, we will be speaking with Dr. Stephen Richardson, Vice President and Principal Engineer with GSI Environmental in Austin, Texas. Stephen specializes in bringing technologies from the lab to the field for treatment of pollutants in the environment. He has served as principal investigator on several DOD-sponsored research projects focused on PFAS. We'll be highlighting his project ER215136, titled Nanofiltration Followed by Electrical Discharge Plasma for Destruction of PFAS and Co-Occurring Chemicals in Groundwater, a treatment train approach. Or, in simpler terms, his research using plasma to destroy PFAS in water and bringing this technology to the field in a mobile trailer. I'm Dr. Johnsy Lang, PFAS technical expert with Arcadis North America, and I will be your host today. I was fortunate enough to actually get to tour your trailer a few weeks ago, and I get to see your plasma reactor in action. So you have an actual trailer, which you can move around from site to site now, destroying PFAS. How many different sites have you taken that to? And Well, it's been a work in progress, right? And as you can imagine, so we ended up being fortunate. And, and when I say we, I'm talking about uh, Selma Mendetovich and Tom Holson at Clarkson University and their team. They've recently put together a or developed a company called DMAX Plasma. It focuses, again, on building and getting this technology out there. So I have the fortune of working with that team. We've been probably on our third or fourth field demonstration at this point. Our first one was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base through an Air Force-funded project. And as you can imagine, it was sort of the prototype version number one. Things were made of, probably not made as nice and crystal clean as what you saw. You know, there was a broom sitting in the corner. I mean, those types of things, right? It was version number one. And we treated, you know, a very small amount of water that was the beginning of that project. Uh, we're probably looking at about 300 gallons total. Now we, we can get into the thousands and, and tens of thousands. And that's, a, that's what's happened over, you know, a five-year period. So a lot of growth in terms of what we can do in development and the technology. Yeah. So when you say tens of thousands and thousands, is that per day, per week, per trailer visit? It it all depends on the on the source of water. I mean, you know, Jonesy, you just sent us some water that <laughs> is more than challenging. <laughs> uh, that's some rinsate that's got some fairly high concentrations. And so part of the calculus in terms of treatment time is always going to be the composition of the water and the concentrations, right? Typically if it's if it's you know our, our common groundwater with hundreds of PPT, or maybe we squeeze into the PPB range, you know, we could be treating thousands a week type of thing. If we start to move into more complicated water, like what we were dealing with, with the rinsates or an evaporate or something where you're talking about really high concentrations, 
it can take a lot longer, obviously, right? It takes a long time for, you know, those long chains to break down and then we deal with our short. So we end up, you know, creating short chains, which is the other wonderful part. And then we have to break those down. So it's sort of a sequential treatment. When I look back at your previous publication records, it looks mm. like you started your career working on methane and groundwater. Yeah. And then there was almost a, a sudden shift towards PFAS and plasma. Can you talk a little bit about the transition oh my goodness. And, and why and how it happened? Okay. So, well, in fact, most of my publications earlier were in uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. So that's pretty exciting, right? PAHs. I mean, what's more exciting than that? Um, and then ended up starting a job at GSI. We had this really great research project, a lot of focus on hydraulic fracturing at the time. And so there was a lot of interest in obviously gases, methane in particular, in residential water wells. So ended up kind of switching gears, which is what you do, it seems, in consulting, you switch gears. So I switched gears over to looking at you know, the impacts of methane on drinking water, particularly residential water wells. And then always had my sort of hand in the emerging contaminants world, you know, even though I was focused pretty heavily on the hydraulic fracturing type work. And of course, PFAS is the big topic in the emerging contaminants world. And I had the fortune of working with some of the Air Force folks, Jonesy, you probably know a few of them as well. Um, and sometimes it's just a simple phone call to just say, hey, what's kind of keeping you up at night? And one of the contacts at the Air Force said, you know, it's this PFAS. And I was like, uh, is that spelt P-E-E-F-A-S-S? -S? What <laughs> is that? And that's sort of how it began. It was really just a weird acronym that was thrown my way and did some research on my own, just like everyone else did at the time, um, and tried to get their head wrapped around this, but we knew the train was coming. Um, and so that's kind of how, how I ended up you know, moving into that. I'm fascinated with innovative remediation technologies. I'm fascinated with treating you know, groundwater. That's really been my focus throughout my career. And so this was just a new challenge for treating groundwater. Yeah, so that's where, that's where, that's the story. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Plasma, in my mind, is a little hard to understand. And actually, I think this is a little funny. My son recently came home from fifth grade and he likes to out-science me. And he says, mom, do you know what the all the states of matter are? And exactly. I was like, yes, I do. Liquid, solid, gas. And he was like, nope, you're wrong. My teacher says liquid, solid, gas, plasma. That's right. And so is plasma now a state of matter? And can you describe <laughs> a little bit what plasma is? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, right? It's sort of this magical, weird species, right? And essentially, all it, all it is is you're putting a, a bunch of energy into a system, right? In this case, it could be gas, it could be a liquid, and you're kind of creating these really wacky reactive species. That's essentially it. And those reactive species are like hydroxyl radicals, they're aqueous electrons. I mean, weird stuff that kind of happens when you put a lot of energy into, and it doesn't have to be water, it could be something else, it could be you know any, any sort of gas. And it basically transforms that, that state into something else. And these are really transient intermediates, as you can imagine, they come and they go, right? Um, and that's why you're continually putting energy into the system. But essentially what we're doing is we're leveraging decades of plasma research typically you know has been used in in water purification systems um mainly for like textile dyes or pharmaceuticals or other persistent compounds right 
we've been doing a lot of talking about destroying PFAS. And I know you've probably heard the term forever chemical. How do you feel now after completing your work? Do you believe that forever chemical is a good term for PFAS? Or do you think that maybe there's a chance these aren't forever? Yeah, I don't think they're forever chemicals. I think it's a catchy phrase. Um, and I think if it's going to bring these compounds at least to the mainstream and have people know about them, that's one thing. You know, again, I think that like many other compounds, we have ways to to break them apart. And we're demonstrating that through ESTCP and CERTIP, you know, a variety of different technologies that are out there that can break apart these compounds. So in that respect, they're really not forever. We can manage them for sure. What do you see as the key things stopping you from being able to destroy all of the world's PFAS tomorrow? Man, that's a... You didn't want to prepare me for that question? I, I built a, you up to this, this I feel is, like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't throw that one out there first. <laughs> what, so what do I think I need in order to to treat all the people? That, that's, a, that's a real difficult question. I think I don't know if if we're going to be able to treat, you know, all PFAS that's, you know, across the world. In fact, you know, with the recent papers that you've probably seen, it's in rainfall up in you know, Antarctica and so on. So it's a huge problem, right? I mean, to the point where our domain is essentially the earth. But, you know, I think we can make a huge difference in the environmental field on the concentrations that are much higher, like the stuff that we're working on. So, you know, fire training areas and particular manufacturing facilities, just, you know, where the hot spots are, we can make a huge difference. And, you know, so I think that's really where we need to spend our time and our effort is to, you know, look at those sources, look at those areas and, and deal with them. The residual PFAS, I think, is still up in the air as to determining you know, really the level of, of risk. I think that that's still being determined as we, as we speak. If we're trying to get rid of every PFAS molecule, it's going to be pretty difficult to do. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. But I do think that we can do it. I mean, we've, we've come a long way. We've been, you know, treating, doing this kind of stuff for 40, 50 years. And, you know, PFAS is a different animal. That's absolutely for sure. But at the end of the day, I think that we can certainly address or manage uh, the risk because at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for. We want to make sure that receptors are safe and uh, we take care of them. So uh, again, tough, tough question. I, you know, I don't <laughs> think there's a silver bullet for this, you know, for this uh, issue. I think we're going to have to all put our heads together and rely on a variety of different technologies and, you know, maybe even introduce a controversial topic like uh, natural attenuation for PFAS as well. Right. So. Yep. There's that. And how many people would you, for the trailer, does it take to operate? Realistically, it could probably just be one person to operate it. We have a couple out there, just, you know, the buddy system is kind of what we do. And, you know, but between DMAX Plasma and GSI, what we tend to do is have a representative from DMAX, a representative from GSI. And in terms of operating it, DMAX is the one that provides really the majority of the expertise in handling any you know, troubleshooting that occurs, which is inevitable with these field demonstrations. And then GSI is sort of handling the operation of the trailer overall, as well as you know any interactions with the base. So we're sort of helping them kind of get on the base, helping them get set up, 
dealing with influent water. Um, and so essentially getting water into the system and then getting water out of the system. So, you know, at the end of the day, the goal would be that this would operate with one person and then ultimately operate with no people that you just essentially press a button. That's the goal that we're, that we're aiming for because you want that system to be operating 24 hours a day. You don't want to lose that time while people are sleeping, right? You should be operating. So that's, I think that's where DMAX is going to go. That's something that we've been working with them about, you know, telemetry and some other ideas that we could bring to the, to the table and to improve the operation of the system. Cool. Next steps, right? Yes. But I think everybody's ready. Like we know you can destroy it. Now can we scale it up? Where can we apply it? There's a lot of really cool technologies that can destroy this stuff. It's the issue really becomes more logistical and can we actually get the, get that technology to the scale that is needed for the problem? Um, Some have, past muster, some have not, right? And and so that's kind of where we are. And we're still, you know, actively looking at a variety of different other technologies that are starting to bud up and, you know, just starting to grow. And so I think that, you know, our arsenal is going to continue to grow. I think we're going to have a lot of different, different uh, tools in the toolbox, so to speak. And my hope is that, you know, we, we figure out ways to combine these technologies to come up with really uh, fantastic solutions. So I find that ESTCP and CERTUP are unique in fostering this kind of relationship between consulting firms and and universities. Can you comment on your relationship with a university and how that's kind of come to be in this project? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a win-win from top to bottom. In our experience, you know, GSI has worked with, you know, universities throughout almost our existence. And it's just something that we've, that's inherent in our culture is this sort of research and development uh, type work. So, you know, like you guys, we've had, you know, the fortune of working with many universities and CERTUP and ESTCP providing that funding and, and sort of encouraging that relationship is fantastic. I think what we bring to the table and when I first met the wonderful folks at Clarkson, what we bring to the table is an ability to bring your technology to the forefront, to bring it to the field. That's our goal. And, you know, I think the wonderful thing that, that I'm seeing is, you know, our clients, the, the folks at Air Force or DOD or, or Navy are seeing promising technologies and then bringing it to, to us and saying, hey, could you reach out to these folks at these universities? And, and we do that. Um, and that, that's a lot of the time how it happens is I get a recommendation or I read a paper and I'm like, wow, that's a really cool technology. Let me call them. You know, again, the benefit there is that the university can focus on what it does best, which is develop their technology, bring this process, perfect it, right? And then the, then we can do what we do best, which is then, okay, well, let's put all this practical stuff around it. Let's try and figure out how do we take this complex thing that you've created and actually put it in a trailer. In a trailer with <laughs> actually, air conditioning. And actually get it there like, <laughs> and, and make it work. And that's, that, I find that really rewarding. And, um, and I'm you know, really happy to be a part of this program because it, it allows me to do what I really love to do, which is to take those, those innovative ideas and then bring it out to the field and see if it works. So, yeah, I think overall the relationship between the universities and consultants has been fantastic. Everyone that I've been a part of has been a great, a great experience. 
ending up here, is there anything you would like to say or add to this podcast? Oh, my goodness. I, I will say that I'm really thankful to be a part of this. This is a really cool project, which I just heard about today as you tackled me in the hallway um, while I was trying to get a coffee. Thank um, you, Stephen, for yeah. <laughs> jumping in last minute here. We had a cancellation and he did come right on up. And, and... Yeah, I was here right on time, which is rare for me. <laughs> I'm just so excited to do a podcast. I, I would say that, again, to elaborate on how great ESTCP is not only are we doing these really cool technical projects, right? So I, I get to play around with just what plasma, lightning bolts in water. I mean, how cool is that? But at the same time, then there's really cool projects like this with a microphone that's right in my face that is, you know, and we're sharing these ideas to whoever is crazy enough to listen to this podcast. So this is amazing. I mean, the fact that we're kind of in the middle of this um, and this balance between tech transfer and um, and the technical side is uh, just pretty cool. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. That this two, is just two a, older folks like us yeah, like, communicating to these young folks through exactly, podcasts. Exactly. I barely know what a podcast is. This is a- <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time he's ever even heard a podcast. Yeah, a what? What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I explained it all to him this morning. Yeah, and he right. was down. I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> this is the same. This is how we got into plasma too. That's I right. think it, they were just like, right. come on. And what he was are like, we doing? sure. What are we doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I love so, that. So I think, yeah, overall, just uh, it's been um, a great experience working in the ESTCP and, and sort of world. And I hope to continue to do it for a long time. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you're, you you're joining welcome. us today. Thanks for the invite. This is great. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was funded by ESTCP and produced by Arcadis. The interview was conducted by John C. Lang, and our guest today was Dr. Stephen Richardson. If you're interested in more information on Stephen's project, please see the ESTCP website for the project number ER215136. If you've conducted your own research on PFAS and you're interested in sharing your work, please email Teresa Gillette at TeresaGillette at Arcadis.com. That's T H. E-R-E-S-A dot G-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E at A-R-C-A-D-I-S dot com. And please keep an eye out for more episodes coming soon.